the text for the sermon this morning, congregation, is the verses 19 to 31 of Luke 16. Luke 16, beginning at verse 19, where Jesus uh, told this parable. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes, goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to, to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So far the, the text. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, last Sunday we heard what the Lord Jesus said about mammon or money with that parable of the dishonest steward which we read earlier on in the first part of Luke 16. <clears throat> we need to look higher and farther and differently than the world does. Look higher. That means realize that everything here belongs to God. We're just given money and possessions to manage here for Him. And look farther. That means that we see in due time we're going to have to leave this life and we can't take anything with us. But we're going to have to give God an account of how we managed what He gave us to manage here in this life. And finally, look differently. That means don't just look for yourself, look out for yourself, but look at the needs of others around you and, and use that mammon that you have been given to make friends for when you leave this life and appear before God to give account that they can welcome you into, eternal, into the eternal home. And that was a serious message, congregation. 
Did you think about what Jesus said when you went about your work and life last week and when you went to the bank and managed your, your goods? Did you think about it? Did it maybe even cause you to look at, at what you own differently? Maybe look at giving for the needy differently, seeing the needy not as a burden given to us, but as an opportunity to make friends to welcome us into eternal life? Or did you simply go on as before, gathering things for yourself without thinking about what, what's going to happen when you leave this life? And that can happen too, that, that people would use maybe this, uh, some criticism of this sermon to that sermon just to go on as before without any change, without repentance in your heart. Well, just to make sure that you took that message to heart, I'm going to preach about mammon again this morning. And before you sigh, do we really need to hear another message about this? Let, let me hasten to add, I'm just following the Lord Jesus' cue here. Because after he spoke that parable of the dishonored steward in Luke 16, he followed that up with the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus in the same chapter. And he did that because clearly the message of that parable of the dishonored honest steward had not sunk in with some of the people who were listening there. Look at verse 14 of that chapter, right after that parable of the dishonored, dishonest steward. It says there, Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things, and they derided him. They derided Jesus for that parable. They had not taken what Jesus was, the message of that parable, that what Jesus was trying to get across to them, they hadn't taken that to heart. And Jesus, being merciful as he is, he told them, another parable to reach their hearts. Told them the parable of our text yet, the rich man and Lazarus. He reaches for their hearts yet with that parable. And with that in mind, I preach to you that parable with this theme, the Lord Jesus emphasizes what he says about mammon with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we see three things in connection with that parable. We see first, God looks differently than people do here. We see, secondly, God repays you for what you did here. And in the third place, God's word through Moses and the prophets is enough here. So first of all, God looks differently than people do here. God, beloved, looks differently at things here on earth. And that's why we need to take what he says about mammon through his son to heart. Don't deride what he says like those Pharisees did. That's why he warns with that second parable in Luke 16. I think we all know the story, don't we? Maybe it's so well known that we don't even notice a lot of the particulars in this story, the details. For instance, did you notice that that rich man was, didn't have a name in the parable, whereas Lazarus did, the poor man did. And did you also notice that the Lord mentioned that after death, the rich man was buried 
while nothing is mentioned about what happened to Lazarus's body, but what is mentioned is that the angels carried Lazarus to Abram's bosom. Those are just small details, but they say a lot. You realize from those small details already then that God looks differently at things here than people do. Think of that burial of the rich man. That must have been an impressive funeral. A lot of people, imposing service, impressive eulogy probably. The rich man's funeral must have been something like that. He was, he was important. He was rich. He clothed himself in purple and fine linen and feasted every day on fancy food with all kinds of guests. It would have been a, a funeral to remember, I'm sure. Lazarus's body had to be dealt with too. But who would bother with a funeral for a dirty beggar like, like that whose body was covered with sores licked by the dogs? His body was probably dragged off at night to a hole in a field out in the countryside. What a contrast with the funeral for the rich man. That funeral was memorable. The beggar Lazarus's funeral went, burial went unnoticed. You see, that's how people see things, look at things. Rich and impressive, notable. Poor and beggarly. Don't even bother mentioning it. But God looks differently, congregation. The Lord Jesus gave that beggar in his parable a name, the name Lazarus. And the rich man, the rich man is anonymous, no name. God knew that poor man by name. The rich man was not known to God. Just look at what happened when they died. Lazarus' soul taken to heaven and given a place beside Abraham, the father of believers, at the eternal feast among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. But when the rich man died, his soul ended up in eternal torment of Hades, alone, forsaken by God and men, far from the eternal feast of God, as far as you could get. See how differently God looks at things than people do. You see, congregation, when the Pharisees derided and mocked the Lord Jesus after he told the parable of the dishonored steward, dishonest steward, they did so because, as it says in verse 14, they were lovers of money, enthralled by wealth, but now Jesus tells him that God looks at things differently than they do. They're impressed by, by wealth. He is not. The Lord Jesus says to him in the following verse, you are men who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You see, people easily impressed by wealth and luxury big mansions, grand feasts, and so on, big parties. The Pharisees liked to impress people with outward piety and outward show of wealth. It was perceived as blessing on their piety. But God looks behind those outward appearances, behind the pillars of the mansions and behind the pious talk, and He looks at the hearts. And if He looks at your heart and He doesn't see love in your heart, he doesn't know you. He does not know your name. You're nameless before him. 
That was the problem with that rich man in Jesus' parable. The love was missing in his heart. His heart wasn't right. And you could even see it if you look carefully. You could see that in how he dealt with that beggar Lazarus who was laid at his gate every day. Every time that rich man left home, he walked beside Lazarus. He walked out beside that poor man lying at his gate. He had opportunity to help him every day, but he didn't do it. He stepped over him. He looked the other way. Maybe he even spit on him. Oh, the Lord Jesus does not condemn anyone for being wealthy. No. Abraham, at whose bosom Lazarus lay in the eternal joy, Abraham himself was one of the wealthiest men around when he was on earth. No, wealth is not wrong in itself. But the Lord is repelled if there is no love in the heart for the neighbor in need. If there is love for money instead of love for him and therefore that which translates into love for the needy. Because then people can look up to you. They can be impressed because of your great wealth. Or you can be impressed by yourself, by your own piety maybe. But God looks differently than people do. He looks through all of that at the heart. And the lesson for us in this today is don't let yourself be enthralled by what people think is important and what they look up to here. Looks, wealth, pious words. Pay attention instead to what is worthwhile in God's sight. Consider Lazarus's name. That name was not picked by the Lord Jesus at random. No, that name in, in Aramaic means the Lord is my helper. It means that Lazarus was someone who looked to God as his helper, even in his misery. Oh, Lazarus's poverty and sores and suffering surely brought him at times to question the Lord's help. He didn't experience it very much of it at all. Also not through his rich brother in the covenant at whose gate he lay. And still in his heart, in his heart, Lazarus kept looking up to God. And God therefore knew that beggar by name and received him into glory at the bosom of Abraham, the father of all believers. He was helped out of all of his troubles in the end. So, congregation, the Lord is not impressed by outward things. He's only interested in how your heart is before Him. Whether you believe in Him, give Him your heart. Trust in His help. Even if it's a struggle, He looks for love for Him and then also for, for the neighbor He has put beside you. He looks for love in your heart. That's what it's all about here. And people don't often see that, right? Don't always see that. Think of those whose every move is followed, for instance, by the paparazzi and pictured in, in People magazine and, and on, the, on the news, entertainment news, like, like the Kardashians. 
People are impressed by, by those kind of people. Everything they do and what they wear and what they say, all the outward stuff. God says, I'm not interested in that. I look at the heart. That's what it should be all about for us then too, shouldn't it? And then it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, famous or unknown, looked up to by people or looked, on, looked down on by them. But God, if your heart is right, then God knows you. He knows your name if you serve him with a heart full of love for him and for your neighbor. So God looks at things differently than people do. We come to the second thing that comes to the fore in this parable, and that is God repays you for what you did here. Remember how the Lord Jesus taught in the parable of the dishonored steward that we have to make friends for ourselves by, by means of unrighteous mammon. Friends who can welcome us into the everlasting home. Well, congregation, the rich man in this parable in our text did not do that. He did not make a friend out of needy Lazarus with his wealth. Obviously, the Pharisees were not interested in doing that either. They figured it was ridiculous to do that. And that's why the Lord Jesus, in his great mercy, warned them as yet. He warned them. He showed that, he showed what your future is if you don't take what he taught about making friends with mammon seriously. God will repay you for what you did here. You see, after his death, that rich man woke up in the place of torment, in hell. And from there, he could apparently see Lazarus, who used to lie at his gate. Lazarus was lying at Abram's side at the eternal feast. What a contrast between before and after, if you think about that. They used to see each other every day, the rich man who feasted and the wretched beggar at his gate. But after their deaths, the roles were completely reversed. Now the poor man sat at the eternal feast with Abraham and all believers, while the rich man found himself in eternal forsakenness and torment, begging for a drop of water. Both were children of Abraham, brothers, brothers who belonged to the Old Testament covenant people of God. But one ended up in heaven with God and the other as far away from God as you can get. And when the rich man cried out to God, Abram replied that this was the repayment for how he had lived his life here on earth. Note that the rich man received an existence of only torment after he left his, this life. Torments. That means the absence of any help or relief or comfort. That's how the, the Bible speaks of God in his wrath. He is a consuming fire. That means God is completely just in repaying people for how they live this life. That rich man who had no love or compassion in his heart ended up in the place where there is no love and compassion then either. God gave him up to that. And the torments there are so constant 
that he seeks even the tiniest bit of relief. He asked Abraham, who he calls his father, for a little wee bit of compassion. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and come and cool my tongue. Think about that. In this life, that rich man didn't even let Lazarus have the crumbs which he brushed off his table. No compassion on that beggar at his gate at all. But after this life, he wants Lazarus to come from heaven into hell, into the hell torment, to relieve his suffering by bringing him a drop of water on the tip of his finger. And you know, you don't hear one bit of remorse about what he had done in this life from that rich man. He's given over to his selfishness. But now there's no relief for him. Abraham reminds him of his life on earth. He had had it so good there while Lazarus had suffered. But now it's the other way around. And it's for eternity. Lazarus is given to be able to enjoy glorious salvation. But the rich man has to undergo God's heavy punishment. He was loveless here. And now there is no love for him at all. Lazarus received what he had not earned but had believed. But since the rich man showed by his lovelessness that he didn't live for God and his promises here, God repaid him accordingly. Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls too, that'll also be your future if you live only for yourself here. If you're greedy and egotistical and show no compassion for people in need who, are, who cross your path, the Lord God will repay you for how you lived in this life and how you dealt with others. And there are no second chances after this life. No change possible afterwards. The gulf is too great. You can't cross over from the one side to the other after this life. Where you end up in the future eternity is based on how you lived this temporal life here. In love and dependence on God or for yourself. So two things become clear to us through Jesus' parable in this text. First, if you don't let the Spirit of God work compassion and love for your neighbor in your heart and life here, then don't count on receiving any love and compassion after this life. Serious warning, congregation, serious warning then. And the second thing we can take home from this is that where you end up in eternity all depends on how you live here and now in this life. Out of God's love in Christ or for yourself. Those are the two choices and the only two and will be repaid according to the one or the other. And remember, you can't love two masters. But the thing is, there's no second chance. 
if you don't make friends with mammon now for the eternal life, it'll be too late once you leave this life. Even if you're a covenant child, a child of Abraham, as the Pharisees who heard this word, they were proud of their descent from Abraham. They, they thought that because they were born in the covenant, they were safe from God's wrath. But the Lord Jesus warned them that they were wrong with their presumptions. Even though that rich man was a child of Abraham, member of the covenant people, he still ended up in eternal torment. The covenant with its wonderful promises will in itself not save us if we don't call the, the God of the covenant, call on him. We don't heed the call of the covenant to love the Lord our God and to serve him with our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I know people today don't want to hear about life after death. A lot of people today don't even believe in life after death. And they don't want to hear about hell then either. So taken up with the enjoyment of this life, they don't want to think about what happens when they have to leave it. Leave it behind, but congregation, let's not ignore the serious warning of the Lord Jesus in the Word of God. He knows what he's talking about, the Lord Jesus does. He was sent into this world by God the Father. He was sent down here to save and to tell the truth about what comes after this life. Believe him. But there's also a lot of comfort in what the Lord Jesus says with this parable. Because this world is one that's filled with lovelessness, greed, hatred, lies, misdeeds, all kinds of wickedness. But even if people get away with their wrongdoings here on earth, like the rich man did, we know that God will ultimately let justice prevail. They won't get away with it once they leave this life. They have to face the consequences of it all. Even if they got away with serious crimes here and injustices. Even if the poor and helpless are abused and overlooked here, God will vindicate them. Isn't that a great comfort for us? If we have to bear with wrongs done to us by others too, even by fellow covenant members as has happened with Lazarus and the rich man, God will set everything right. He will wipe away all tears. But again, let's pay attention to the warning in this parable of the Lord. You can't be selfish and ignore those who are poor and who suffer, for God will repay everyone according to what they did. So don't let Jesus' words go unheeded, congregation. Your Savior wants you to have love and compassion in your hearts because that shows that you have embraced the love and compassion he showed you. That shows that you've taken his love and compassion to heart. So we've seen that God looks at things differently than people do here. We've seen that he repays everyone according to how he or she lived here. And then we come to the third and the last point of the sermon, namely that God's word through Moses and the prophets is enough here. God's word is enough here. Congregation, that rich man does not stop asking for favors while he is in torment 
torments in Hades. He figures if there's no more hope for him, then maybe his brothers could avoid ending up where he is. And you realize that there's not a grain of remorse or repentance in his heart because he asks for the second time that Father Abraham send Lazarus on a mission for him. Send Lazarus for me. This time not into torment to give him a drop of water, but back to earth to his five brothers to warn them. But Father Abraham declines that request. Why? Well, those brothers have Moses and the prophets, don't they? They have the Old Testament scriptures. So they don't need to guess at what God desires from them. They all have it in black and white in front of them. They know what the law says about loving your neighbor and helping the poor and the suffering. The Old Testament is full of it. And by the way, it's exactly the Pharisees to whom Jesus told this parable who were supposed to know the law and the prophets so well. Well, God has made it abundantly clear to his people what he wants from them. He wants their hearts to be set on, on him and then also on their neighbors. But if they don't want to listen to, to that in the law and the prophets, nothing's going to convince them. But the rich man again shows how unrepentant he is because he disagrees with Father Abraham. He says to him, no, no, Father Abraham. He disagrees with him. He says, if someone goes to my brothers from the grave, then they'll repent. Maybe that even sounds reasonable. Not the case at all. Abraham replies, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets in the scriptures, they're not going to be persuaded if someone rises from the dead either. Sometimes we might think that a miracle or two might persuade people to become believers too, right? Or amazing worship, you know? People have huge emotional outbursts here. Maybe that'll persuade people. Not the way it is, not what we should be expecting. The Word. The Word is sufficient. It's enough. That's what Abraham said. And what happened later on proved he was right. The Pharisees knew Moses and the prophets, but they didn't, they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets. They derided Jesus for his words, which were according to Moses and the prophets. And eventually they put Jesus to death. And when he rose from the dead, they refused to believe it. In fact, they did everything they could to suppress the news of Jesus' resurrection. They paid the soldiers who were at Jesus' tomb when he rose on Easter morning. They paid them to lie about what they had seen and experienced. So what the Lord Jesus said through Abraham in the parable, brothers and sisters, was shown to be completely true. And that tells us we need to take Jesus' instruction and what the Scripture says to heart ourselves too. Through Moses and the prophets in the Old Testament, God told us to love him as well as our neighbor. He gave us enough instruction so we don't need to go to the place of torment. Scripture is sufficient. 
That's, it, it's sufficient for us already. The Old Testament scriptures are sufficient for us already. But then we have the additional instruction and application from the mouth of God's Son, Jesus Christ, in the Gospels. And in the writings of the Apostles. He instructed us to make friends for the future with mammon, to use what we have to prepare a welcome for ourselves in heaven. And we not only have that instruction of, of the Lord Jesus, we also know the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We know He rose from the dead, and that should be more than enough to convince us that God requires love and compassion in our hearts. And it also that there's a glorious future for those who live out of His grace in Jesus Christ like that, right? So take, take the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously, congregation. Let's repent every time again from materialism and covetousness and selfishness to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. For He and He alone is the way, the truth, and the life.